0: If you have a Bible, please open it to Psalm chapter 23. As Doug said, we're going to be looking at Psalm 23 this morning. I've titled this sermon, All This and Jesus Too. If you have been here, you know that this summer we've been going through spiritual disciplines each week, taking one week to look at the ways in which we train ourselves to experience God's grace. And this morning, as we go through Psalm 23, we're not going to so much as look at a discipline, but we're really going to look at a fruit of the disciplines. As we nourish ourselves on God's Word, as we pray to Him, as we worship Him, as we experience the sacraments, He shows us that He is a shepherd. And the fruit that comes from that is contentment. Contentment. Psalm 23 is a psalm about contentment. So please, read along with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the reading of God's Word. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, as we've said already, you are... Lord, You are Father and You are our Shepherd. And we come to You this morning as people who are discontent. People who want things from this world that it cannot give us. People who lack. People who desire. We're like people uh, oftentimes groping around in a dark room looking for something and we don't even know what it is. Um, Our discontent hearts come to You this morning We pray, Lord, that you would meet us here. That you would show us that you are our good shepherd. Show us all the things that you give us by your grace. Show us your mercy, your goodness. Show us that you've given us all these things and your son. And we pray that like David, we would say that you are our shepherd. And we lack nothing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Michael Gordon is a former RUF campus minister. Uh, now he's what we call our area coordinator. That means that he's, he oversees a group of campuses. And at one point in his life, he spent some time uh, as a, working on a farm uh, in Wales. And while he was working on that farm, one day he had a Psalm 23-like experience. He walked out to the field. He saw the glorious green rolling hills. He saw the beautiful uh, white fluffy clouds. He saw the sheep resting easily on the grass, munching, chewing, very peaceful. And then he heard, the Lord is my shepherd, sort of running in the background of his mind. But then he kind of heard this, ba. He heard it a, a sheep crying. So he walked towards the sheep. and he, As he got closer, he heard, bah ba, you know you hear these loud bleats of this sheep and it sounded sort of muffled and sort of mechanical and eventually he got to a spot where in the ground he saw these two white dirty dingy legs sort of poking out of the hole in the ground and what he had realized was that this sheep had fallen into a hole it was stuck From the waist down inside the hole. And all you could see were these legs that would occasionally kick out as it would bleat, baha, baha. And the legs would sort of kick out like it was, you know, futilely crying for help. It was a helpless sheep. And he said that as he listened to that sheep, he couldn't help but wonder to himself if it was saying, Where is my shepherd? Where is my shepherd? Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that. Without the Lord, we are like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus says that we are like sheep without a shepherd. And Bonhoeffer describes it this way. He says a shepherdless sheep is like this. They have questions, but no answers. Distress, but no relief. Anguish of conscience, but no deliverance. Tears, but no consolation. Sin but no forgiveness. Is that you this morning? Do you have questions to life's greatest mysteries without answers? Do you have pain and suffering in your life with no, but no consolation? Do you have continual sin that you desperately want to get rid of but without relief? Well, if so, Psalm 23 comes to us and says that the Lord can be your shepherd. And if he is your shepherd, then you can have relief. You can have comfort. You can have answers. You can have contentment. You can have all of your deepest needs met in your shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd, then you lack nothing. What I want you to see this morning is the great fullness of this shepherd, and I want you to see that he has met all of our deepest needs, and he has given us Jesus as well. He's given us all this and Jesus too. In a book called The Shepherd Leader, Timothy Whitmer, he talks about a biblical view of shepherding. He says that a biblical shepherd does four things. The shepherd knows his sheep, leads his sheep, feeds his sheep, and protects his sheep. So if you're an outline taker or if you want an outline to follow in your head, that's what we're going to be going through this morning. As we look at Psalm 23, we're going to see how the Lord knows his sheep, leads his sheep, feeds his sheep, and protects his sheep. So the first thing we're going to look at is how the Lord knows his sheep. We've read Psalm 23 already, but if you look back at it, you'll see that Psalm 23 is intensely personal. The first line is sort of like the the headline of the whole thing. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is the shepherd or the Lord is like a shepherd. It says the Lord is my shepherd. That's a first person pronoun, right? There is a personal knowing between the Lord and David. The Lord is the covenant name for God. David didn't just know God as Creator, but he knew Him as Yahweh, the God who came into an intimate, personal relationship with both Israel and himself. And so, when David thinks about God, he doesn't think about something abstract, far off, distant. He thinks about something close and personal. He thinks about a person. says that the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads me beside still waters. I think this is one of the reasons why people love this psalm so much. They love the personal nature of it that, it. that it describes God as being my shepherd or our shepherd. We don't know when David wrote this. You know, maybe he wrote it as he was uh, you know, tending his flock as a young boy because he was a shepherd. Maybe he wrote it as he was running from David and hiding in the caves and David was trying to kill him. Maybe he wrote it as he was sitting on a throne as a king. But I think sort of, maybe the question running in the back of his mind in all those situations is, am I alone? Does anybody know me? Does the Lord know me? And I think maybe the Holy Spirit whispered whispered to him, yes, the Lord is your shepherd. He knows you. That question of am I alone, or that idea of knowing and being known is an important question for us, isn't it? It's a question that is deeply personal, that strikes the heart of all people, All different types of people. I listened to an NPR uh, podcast this week titled, Are We Alone? And it described three different people who struggle with this question of loneliness and knowing in three different ways. The first one was about an actual NPR producer that struggled with what's called Fermi's Paradox. Does anybody know what Fermi's Paradox is? I didn't know what it was until I listened to this. Fermi's Paradox is the idea that. Sort of this tension between the idea that the universe is so big, the universe is so great that there must be extraterrestrials out there, there must be aliens. Right? There's a high probability that there's aliens out there existing someplace. Yet, we don't know. (laughs) They haven't visited us yet. And and the producer actually had this existential crisis over the question of are we alone. So that was the first story. The second story was of a couple who had been married for years and then somehow the wife found out that the husband was living a double life and it destroyed their marriage. They had the happy marriage, they thought, their entire time together, but they realized it was all a sham. So they came to this counselor and the, the counselor narrowed it down to one problem. The wife didn't really know her husband And he didn't really know her grief. And so they struggled with this idea of knowing each other. And there was a third story. The third story was of a little girl who went to live with her father. She had to move to a new school. While she was at this new school, she was lonely. She thought, well, if I live with my dad, I'm going to try to get to know my dad. So she wrote down 50 of life's deepest questions. She gave them to her dad on the piece of paper and said, I would love for you to answer all 50 of these questions. And he said, I would, because she had been wearing him out with questions. And he thought, well, if she just writes them down, then I can answer all these questions for her. And in the, you know, the, the you know, person's interview, and they asked her, like, why did you ask your dad all these questions? And she said, really, I just wanted to talk to my dad. I wanted to know him. That questioning of knowing, of knowing and being known, am I alone, is a deep question. Does anybody know you? Do you ever feel alone? The Bible tells us that if the Lord is your shepherd, He knows you. That He has numbered the hairs on your head. That He calls you by name. That He's with you wherever you go. That the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That Jesus is with you. And that your Heavenly Father knows you deeply and personally. That you can say, I'm not alone there's somebody who knows me. And because he knows me and he loves me and he accepts me, I can know other people and I can love and accept them. So the first thing we see is that the shepherd knows his sheep. The second thing we see is that the, the shepherd leads his sheep. Right. Uh, one of the things I love about Psalm 23 is it's like a journey. Right. It starts with David and the Lord and the pasture. And then you see that he talks about this idea of the Lord leading him behind, beside still waters. And all the people who live in still water rejoice. This is our verse right here, guys. Right? It didn't say Norman, it said still water. Right? The Lord is leading him on a journey. He leads him beside still waters. He leads him in paths of righteousness. He walks him through the valley of the shadow of death. And then in the third sort of vignette or scene, it ends with David and the Lord in the Lord's house, eating and drinking and feasting together. It's a little bit like The Lord of the Rings, right? It's three books or three movies, if you're me and you're too lazy to read the book. But it's all one story, it's all one journey. And I think one of the things that this teaches us is that if the Lord is our shepherd, he's leading us. We may not know what's going on, we may be confused. We may see things through a glass dimly. But the Bible teaches us that the Lord has a plan, and He's carrying out that plan. One of my favorite sections of the Bible is Psalm 16. There are several Psalms, not Psalms, Proverbs 16. And there are several Proverbs in Proverbs 16 that teach us that God has a plan and that He is working out that plan. Proverbs 16.1 says, To man belongs the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Verse 9, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And verse 33, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. From cover to cover, the Bible teaches that the Lord is our shepherd and He has a plan. He is leading us and He is working His plan out through our decisions and even through something as random as the casting of lots. But it doesn't feel that way, does it? Life feels mysterious and painful and hard and confusing. I've been listening to uh, Drew Holcomb and The Neighbors lately, and uh, there's a line in one of their new songs. It's called The New Year. And it says, it's a new year, it's a new song, but it's the same mystery. It's what life is like, isn't it? It's a mystery. A pastor that I listened to preached on this sermon, his name is Leo Schuster. And he describes, or he he illustrates this confusion uh, by telling a story about a cat that he knew named Pi Wicket. He said when he was a little boy, he lived next to a lady named Vera Swain. She was a very eccentric lady, and she had a Siamese cat named Pi Wicket. He said one day he and his family were getting ready to go someplace. They got in the car, they pulled up to the stoplight outside their house. He looked over, and there was Miss Swain in the car. Then he looked up, and on top of the car, he saw Pie Wicket. The cat was on top of the car. And he thought, well, I better tell her. I better let her know that her cat's on top of her car. But before he could roll down the window and tell her, she drove off. So you can imagine Pie Wicket on top of the car with claws, hanging on for dear life as Miss Swain navigates and turns left and turns right and goes under and over things. Imagine the fear in that cat of wondering, Is there anybody in the driver's seat that knows that I'm here? What's going to happen? That's what we experience in life, isn't it? We're clinging on for dear life, wondering, who's in the car? Where is it going? (laughs) What am I going to hit? And Psalm 23 tells us that there's somebody in the car. It's the Lord. It's our God. It's our shepherd. He is leading us. And He actually has a purpose. We may not know what it is, but He has a purpose, and that purpose is so that we will be whole and complete, lacking nothing. No matter what you're going through, God wants you to lack nothing. James 1, 2-4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Your shepherd wants you to lack nothing. No matter what you're going through, he has a purpose. And he is leading you through that purpose. So the Lord knows his sheep. The Lord leads his sheep. And the Lord feeds his sheep. The shepherd knows exactly what his sheep need. He knows that they need rest. So he makes them lie down in green pastures. I love that language. I looked it up just to make sure that's what it said. But that's what it says in the Hebrew, I think. Thomas, you can check me. You can double check for me. But he makes me lie down in green pastures. Makes. doesn't suggest. He makes. That he is is giving his sheep an opportunity to rest. That's why there's a whole commandment about it, right? Work six days and take the seventh day to rest. He makes His sheep lie down in green pastures. He leads them beside still waters. Still waters are important for sheep because they're not very athletic. And if the water is moving too harshly, they can't get the water. They need still waters to drink and nourish themselves. They need green grass to feed themselves. He leads them in the righteous path so that their, their souls will be restored. Then, as they go on their journey, they get to his house where there's a table prepared for them where they can eat and drink and be nourished and be filled. When they arrive, he anoints their heads with oil. That was an ancient way of refreshing them. It would be maybe similar to your neighbor showing up, and as soon as he walks in the door, you offer him a place to sit and a glass of water. You want to make sure that they're restored and refreshed as they come to meet with you. Their cup overflows. The, the shepherd is providing everything that his people need. He's feeding them. He's nourishing them. And if you look throughout the Old Testament, you see that that's what, our, that's what the Lord is doing for us. When, I, Egypt was, when Israel was in the wilderness, He gave them manna from heaven. When Israel needed counsel, He gave them the commandments. When Israel needed water, He had Moses give them water from a rock. When Israel needed somebody to deliver them from exile, He delivered them from exile. And when they needed the Gospel to go forth and feed them, He said, come, come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come, buy and eat. He provided them with spiritual nourishment and physical nourishment because He knows how to feed His sheep. If the Lord is our shepherd, then He will feed us. He will meet our needs intimately and personally. But we've got to admit that we're needy people. We've got to admit that we're needy people. I think the biggest barrier to the shepherd meeting our needs is not his insufficiency, but it's our unwillingness to be needy. It's not his insufficiency, but it's our unwillingness to be needy. Uh, A few weeks ago, many of you all know, our youngest daughter, Frances, she broke her femur, which is a bad injury. And so whenever you have a break, they have to, the femur is this, your, you know, your upper bone, your bone, your upper leg, biggest bone in the body, hardest to break. So when you break your femur, they have to cast it, they have to put a cast on below the joint and above the joint. You have to do that with any break. So what, what that means is that my daughter was in a cast from about the middle of her chest all the way down to her ankle on one leg and then down to her knee on the other leg. She's basically in a half-body cast. She was immobilized. And then they propped their legs up like this, so they're kind of in a half-squat position the entire time. It's about the most uncomfortable-looking thing you can imagine. Uh, But when she's in this cast, she couldn't do anything. Nothing. We had to carry her into the house, sit her on the couch, carry her to the potty to go to the bathroom. We had to entertain her. We had to diaper dress her. We had to feed her. We had to comfort her. We had to hold her. We had to put her in bed. We put her in bed. We had to lay her legs and prop them up uh, just the right way so she could sleep. She couldn't do anything on her own. She was totally insufficient. She was totally helpless. But the Lord had given her parents who were sufficient. We, by God's grace, <laughs> we were able to meet all her needs and with many of your help, we would feed her, we would clothe her, we would wipe her down, we would change her diaper, we would put her in bed. And she, all she could do was lay there and cry out, Mommy! Daddy! Help me! I can't move! I can't move! She was helpless, like a little sheep without a shepherd. That's what we're like if we're willing to admit that we're helpless and we need our shepherd to meet all of our needs, he's sufficient. He will do it. And he loves doing it. There were times when it was difficult to take care of Francis. Um, I I don't know about, well, maybe I didn't happily meet her needs all the time, but I felt like Sherry did. She was glad to care for her. We were glad when she would cry out in the middle of the night, please come help me. Your shepherd is glad to hear you cry out to him. He wants to come and meet your needs. He loves you. So a shepherd knows his sheep. He feeds his sheep. He leads his sheep. And lastly, he protects his sheep. David describes the, the shepherd leading him down the righteous path. That is the right path. It's the good path. And that path leads through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, the valley of the shadow of death is one way to say it, but you could also translate it uh, the valley of darkness or the valley of deep darkness. This is a place that's scary. It's confusing. It's a place where a sheep would no doubt experience enemies, troubles, threats. But David says he's not scared. Why? Because the shepherd is with him. Because the shepherd is with him. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. No matter where the shepherd leads you, he will always be with you. And when he is with you, he has his rod and his staff. The rod and staff were both things that would help the shepherd care for the sheep and guide for the sheep, but they could also double as weapons. And when David saw his shepherd, he knew his shepherd was with him, he knew he had his weapons, he knew that he would protect him. And that drove out the fear. I once heard a story about a seminary professor who went to the Middle East and he saw a real modern day shepherd. He said he was walking down the street. It was a crowded street. There was lots of people around. And out of the middle of this crowd walks a man with a leather belt, a gristly beard, dirty, filthy, but rugged and strong. On his back was a sheep and in his holster was guns. And he said they had that look of, like, it, like he was saying to everybody, you just touch my sheep. I dare you. Touch my sheep. That's how your shepherd is. He just dares the world to touch his sheep. He just dares the flesh to try to destroy his sheep. He just dares Satan to touch his sheep. They won't do it. Because he's protecting them. Because he loves them and cares for them. And there is nothing that can get to them without coming through him first. The shepherd protects his sheep. And then he leads him to the place where he can celebrate. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So I I love the picture, right? They're, They're there. They're in his house. They're celebrating. They're feasting. And what is David's enemies doing? They're watching. How humiliating is that, to watch your enemies celebrate? This week, they had the NBA Finals. It was Golden State and Cleveland. We all knew that was going to happen, right? They played 82 games in two months worth of playoffs, and we knew it was going to be Golden State and Cleveland. They get to the end. Golden State wins. They're celebrating. There's confetti going all over the place. Kevin Durant and all those guys are going crazy on the court, and the fans are cheering. Then they show a shot of LeBron James, the greatest basketball player in the world walking back to his locker room, disgusted, angry. Now let's imagine for a second that the NBA would not have let LeBron James go back to his locker room. They wouldn't let the Cavaliers leave. They made him sit on the bench and watch the Golden State Warriors celebrate. That's the picture that David's painting right here. That our enemies are going to be so humiliated that they're going to have to sit and watch as we eat and drink and feast with our shepherd. The shepherd knows his sheep. He leads his sheep. He feeds his sheep. And he protects his sheep. In all these things, the shepherd says what God says to Israel in Isaiah 43. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. No matter what you go through, your Savior is with you and He loves you. The Lord is your shepherd. You have everything you need. And And not only... Does He lead you, feed you, protect you, and know you? But He gives you His Son, Jesus. He gives you His Son. See, Israel rebelled against their shepherd. They turned their own way. Isaiah 53.6 says, But all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. The shepherd loved the sheep, but the sheep turned away from the shepherd and went their own way. So what did God do? He became a real shepherd. He became a flesh and blood shepherd in Jesus. Jesus comes to the earth to find God's sheep, to rescue them. And in John 10, He paints this picture in John 10, almost almost fully describing everything that the shepherd does in Psalm 23. Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. I know My sheep, and they know Me. I know My sheep, and they know Me. He leads His sheep. They know His voice, and they follow Him. He feeds His sheep. He says that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that they may have life abundantly. He protects His sheep. Wolves and thieves may come in and try to steal, kill, and destroy him, but Jesus protects them. Nobody can snatch His sheep from His hand. Jesus is the good shepherd who knows His sheep, leads His sheep, feeds His sheep, and protects His sheep. And in the end, He even becomes a sheep. says that He lays down His life for His sheep. Why? Why? Because that was the only way that the Lord could be their shepherd. As long as you are trying to do life on your own, as long as you're trying to answer your own questions, as long as you're trying to comfort yourself or relieve yourself with the things of this world, you will be like that sheep stuck in the ground kicking your legs. But if you will cry out to Jesus, your shepherd, to rescue you, then He will. He will be your shepherd, and the Lord will be your shepherd, and you will have everything that you need. That is how you find contentment. That's how you find joy, is by letting the shepherd meet all your needs. And when you get to that place, it looks something like this. Hal Farnsworth was an RUF campus minister for years, um, and he tells a story where he grew up in a family that had a maid. And one summer day, he decided that he wanted to go visit that maid. So he walks to her house. She lives in poor government apartments, and they're the old style where the doors were on the outside, and they had the stairs that you had to walk up, different landings around the building to get to the door. So he said that as he was walking up the steps, he came around a corner. And when he came around a corner, the doors were open, and on the inside, not the doors, the window was open, and on the inside of the window, he saw a lady in her bare living room, with nothing but two chairs, a card table, a can of beans, and a spoon. He stopped. As he stopped and looked in, he overheard her with head bowed and eyes closed, saying, all this and Jesus too. All this and Jesus too. She had nothing, by our standards. But because the Lord was her shepherd, She had everything she needed, and she had Jesus. When we come to our Good Shepherd, we get all those things. He leads us, feeds us, protects us, and guides us, and He gives us His Son because He loves us and He wants us to be with Him. and He wants to meet all of our needs. So let's pray that that would be real to us and we would do that now. Father in Heaven, we thank You for being our Good Shepherd. We thank You that You've not left us in the hole helpless we thank you that you have not left us shepherdless we thank you that you've not left us with questions unanswered you've not left us with uh, pain and anguish without comfort you've not left us alone you've not left us with our sin and our guilt you have come to love us to rescue us to save us and to meet all of our deepest needs We pray, Lord God, that You would show us the beauty and the grandeur of that salvation and that we would cry out with that lady all this and Jesus too. All this and Your Son. Please make that real to us, Lord. Please give us the rare jewel of Christian contentment that comes only with knowing You and letting You meet our needs. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.